Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And uh, today we're going to be having, you know, quite an interesting discussion around uh, the state of the South African economy. It is a Friday, uh, which means we get into the hard economics uh, news of the week. And one of the big ones, uh, you know, for anyone who's been paying attention um, is the fact that uh, we had um, some of those GDP numbers that came out um, you know earlier this week uh, from uh, stats essay and you know some of the big things uh, that are coming through from there is to say that um, we have bigger than expected growth that actually took uh, South Africa's GDP back to pre um, COVID levels um, official data from stats essay showed um, on Tuesday that GDP grew uh, 1.9% in the first quarter of 2022 following an upwardly revised 1.4% rise in the previous period. Now, we are going to be having a discussion just around what does this actually mean, you know, um, on the ground for ordinary South Africans, for businesses, uh, small businesses, for government organizations, what does it actually mean? Are people, you know, actually feeling um, these effects or is this sort of more, um, or is this one of those situations that sort of perpetuates some of those notions uh, that we keep hearing about? About things like uh, jobless growth and you know some of those other issues. So to help us to unpack um, all of this stuff, we are joined uh, by someone who's no stranger to our platform. Uh, that is Lulu Krugel, who is uh, the chief economist over at uh, PwC, uh, to give us some insight. Lulu, greetings to you today. Thank you, Madiwa, and it is lovely to join you again. No, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I think a good place for us to start, Lulu, is, uh, you know, just cutting through uh, the headlines, the froth, you know, what is real, what is not real. Um, your reaction in just hearing about these bigger than expected, uh, you know, GDP uh, numbers that uh, take us back uh, to pre-COVID levels, is it really as good um, news. Uh, I, I think the, the, there's that notion that we need to celebrate the small wins that we do get, but is this really a win? Madiwa, I think we can we will take every bit of good news at this point in time, but um, we must keep in mind that this is the first quarter's growth number. So it tells us a story about, about what happened between the last quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year. And it did look uh, better than most expected. In fact, most economists expected that uh, the economy would grow at around um, 1.2 thereabouts. So the numbers that came through of 1.9% quarter on quarter is actually good news. But unfortunately, there's quite a few things that have happened subsequently. And I think that is where we are at this point in time. If we think about whether this momentum will, <clears throat> will remain there for the rest of the year and whether we the good news will continue. And I'm afraid that at this point in time, the risks that we've seen since March and some of the developments in the global and local economy is telling us that it's going to be difficult for us to retain that momentum. So 1.9% growth, just to put it in a bit of perspective, is uh, a little bit faster than our growth in the population. So at the moment, the population is growing in around 1.5%. So it means that on average, if we take GDP per capita as an indicator of uh, the 
position of our economy and of um, the, the position of South Africans that we could be off slightly better. Um, but th this is not spread equally. We've seen uh, the, the week before last the latest unemployment numbers, and it is, there's a lot of controversy around that, whether or not it's correct. It could be higher, it could be lower, but the bottom line is that there's a lot of South Africans that are still without jobs, and we, are, uh, we have the dubious honor of being the country with the highest level of employment. So it is something that we are, of course, very happy to hear that the economy is recovered in terms of output, in terms of what we produce, uh, to the pre-COVID levels, we um, we're expecting that it might only happen in the in the next quarter of this year. So only in the second quarter, the quarter that we are in now. So that is good news. And out of the ten sectors in the economy, eight of them grew, but um, manufacturing in particular uh, did quite well. And that for me is good news because we also saw in uh, the manufacturing job numbers that there was quite a big jump. So some positive news from that. Um, however, if you are uh, one of the very big part of South Africa that is currently without a job, um, I think this is, this is by far not uh, yet enough in terms of the top kind of message that you would like to hear. No, most definitely. And um, I think that uh, is probably speaking to the reality of a lot of South Africans right now, um, and especially the unemployment bit um, that you are highlighting right now. And also at the same time, highlighting the fact that, yes, um, you know, the first quarter might have seen um, some of that growth, but there have been a bunch of things that have happened. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest ones that people are, are currently feeling at the moment is 25 rand a liter uh, for fuel. <laughs> I think that is the one thing that everyone is feeling at the moment. Uh, uh, and also the price of cooking oil, which has been doing um, its own somersaults, uh, you know, the price of basic goods and inputs, you know, like fuel that literally go into everything in the economy. Um, you know, all of those inflation fears that we heard about um, towards the end of last year now actually coming in and affecting, you know, the our pockets. Um, it's a it's a real it's a real conundrum uh, that people find themselves in now. With these numbers here and us providing all of this context, as PwC, um, you know, you guys came out with uh, an economic outlook, I would say, you know, sometime last week, um, right? Was that preemptive um, to these numbers that were about to come out or sort of within your own cycles of putting out data and information? Yeah, we, we like to do for the last year or so, we like to do a monthly update. Um, about where the economy is. You know, in the past, economists would very rarely do that um, because things would move so slowly that it would have been worth our while and probably we only would have needed to do a proper update on the state of the economy every four months, every quarter. Um, so we got into a habit uh, with COVID and everything that happened around that to produce monthly updates. And to be quite honest, we haven't seen the necessity as yet to slow that down because things keep on changing so rapidly. So we will probably continue to do that. And as you say, um, as luck would have it, it was just a few minutes, oh, a few a few um, days before the 
the GDP numbers came out from Stats SA. So we knew the GDP numbers were, go- were coming, but we thought, you know, we still have our view about where this year will go. And I think that is also what we've tried to express in, uh, in our economic update is, yes, those numbers for the first quarter looks good and looks better than expected. But uh, if we look at the entire year, we're still a little bit skeptical and we're concerned that, and we are probably pretty convinced that growth will come in well below 2%. And in fact, most of the economists in the market are of that opinion. Um, We had a bit of a look about how forecasts have changed over the last six or seven months, you know, since September last year, when everybody, you know, started also putting forecasts out for this year. And everybody, um, most of the economists in the country uh, have revised their forecast downwards. So even at the very top end, um, it's gone downwards um, and, and at the, at, right at the bottom. But the median where most seem to expect the economy to go is still somewhere around the 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, and maybe a little bit more to the 1.9 level now given the numbers that we that we heard about the first quarter. But most of us do not expect the economy to grow by more than 2% this year. And that is, uh, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned oil prices, you mentioned uh, food inflation, all of those things putting pressure on how much money consumers have and what they can spend in the economy. Um, but then, of course, we also saw the floods in KZN and the disruption that that is caused in, in our logistics supply chain and actually getting things from there. And for example, I saw the the April new vehicle sales took a nosedive and it is most probably as a result of people not and companies not being able to get vehicles out from from the KZN port, um, the the vehicles that are imported. And then combined with that, of course, um, the war between Russia and Ukraine is dragging on. So that is all um, putting so much pressure on uh, on the global economy and we are in a in a very unhappy situation if i could call it that where we have high inflation and low growth at the same time and that is not really where we want to be i want to drill down on what on the way you've just uh, ended off lulu uh, because you've uh, painted the picture of what's going on in the economy bringing in uh, the food and fuel inflation but also uh, the disruptions caused by what happened in uh, KZN in terms of the floods and how all of that um you know is affecting uh, the the running of the economy um i take fuel for example because uh, a lot of people don't always appreciate the fact that that because of logistics and transport, um, fuel at the coast tends to cost less than fuel inland because there isn't the, there's there isn't that added transport fact factor to take fuel you know from the port um, to Johannesburg to Pretoria and other inland areas, uh, but. It's to highlight where you ended off about, you know, the fact that we have this high inflation and, you know, low growth, etc. And um, just listening to, you know, 
know others in the economic fraternity especially uh globally do you think we might find ourselves um you know at risk of uh, stagflation uh because um, in all of this there's also rising interest rates around the world because central banks are all trying to curb inflation in their own way but despite all of the measures they're taking that inflation is still running away further you know so do we find ourselves at risk of something like that I unfortunately think it is a re- very real possibility that we need to think about and I know that you know policymakers um in South Africa the central bank if you look at a national treasury with fiscal policy everybody everywhere is trying to do what they can to actually bring this under control but it is something that we are dealing with and, and that we need to kind of figure out and realize that this is a very very possible risk um in fact in the uk it's probably one of the countries where these discussions have been the most pronounced high inflation low growth in fact i think the uk's growth forecast for this year is the lowest in the whole of the european region i know they're not a member of the eu anymore but in that region um they are expecting the lowest levels of gdp growth so and i think so short after covid it feels a bit it feels a little bit unfair actually you know because we we feel like we're just starting to pick up our heads and now the next thing hits um i think that the challenge that the rest of the world sits with and that we've had had to deal with for quite some time is the initial inflation that we saw um before what before what happened between uh Ukraine and and um and Russia was as a result of a recovery in demand in a lot of these economies so um that's what we call demand pull inflation and although that is dangerous it is less dangerous to an economy um than cost push inflation and that is what we're dealing with now If you have demand pull inflation it means that the economy is recovering there's an increase in demand and the supply can't keep up so prices are rising. And uh, yeah that happened in parts of the world pre pre the war but now um they are also seeing a significant slowdown in growth and the inflation is coming from different sources it's coming from increased oil prices it's coming from uh increased food prices etc. um and as south africa we've even before um all of this happened we saw the imported inflation coming from increased oil prices uh feeding into our economy and starting to push our inflation rates up whilst we didn't see the growth so we had um we we definitely had the challenge uh then already to deal with i suppose now it is just even more pervasive because food inflation has picked up to the extent that it has so yeah the the truth is that economies and policy makers have to deal with a situation at this point in time where they're saying we don't have growth we have inflation what do we do and they have been trying in all kinds of ways i know europe has been looking at different ways in terms of um getting themselves of the dependence of russia uh in terms of the oil um and looking at other alternatives um they've been looking at food and how you know is there other countries that can supply um for south africa i think it 
gives us some opportunity in certain areas. If you look at food production, for example, to say we, we can up our production uh, in certain goods, but the input cost, as you, as you so rightfully put it, um, is still elevated. So um, the, the challenge that we sit with is how do we balance that? Uh, because you can produce, but you know, if it's going to cost you more, um, that, that might also uh, put off certain farmers where they say, well, I just don't know where, where the price of fuel will be in a couple of months' time. Um, so I'm not entirely sure if I should invest now in, in making sure that I get these, these uh, products in the ground and then when I have to harvest, uh, what will happen then. So it is a very, very tricky situation in which we are in. And it's not one that we have been in a lot um, recently. It is a unique situation. A unique situation indeed. And uh, I think the word unfair earlier on uh, aptly describes where we are because, uh, like you said, uh, many of us thought finally, you know, a reprieve, things are opening up. Uh, we can start looking forward to, you know, growth and, you know, people getting back to work, more money in people's pockets, etc. But um, whatever money is in people's pockets is being eroded uh, by uh, all of this inflation and all of this low growth uh, that we find ourselves on. And then in terms of extending that thought about the global economy and South Africa's place, um, earlier this year, I think uh, we saw the government celebrating uh, some of the wins, particularly when it came to the commodity sector, um, you know, reporting that mining, for example, had brought in a lot of money into the fiscus. And then um, in terms of that impact on ordinary South Africans and also just um, the people on the ground, we saw some of that money being used in terms of trying to um, help to cushion uh, the blow of higher you know, fuel prices um, for the last maybe month and a half. Uh, we saw some of that relief uh, coming in directly using some of that money. This week, we also got news, the fact that uh, South Africa's trade uh, surplus is still, you know, in a healthy place. Do you think that state of affairs continues um, in your outlook um, just around uh, South Africa's, because we keep talking about balance, right? Uh, does South Africa's current uh, trade balance and all of that continue where it is? Or do we see more erosion with government trying to um, cushion consumers as much as possible? Yeah, it is a bit of a mixed bag. And if you look at uh, the GDP numbers, um, you can see that mining has been under pressure. I think it's the third quarter in a row now where mining output has contracted. But it was of such a ridiculous high that I suppose we should keep that in mind and not think that the industry is falling off a cliff but perhaps just that things are normalizing a little bit and have been normalizing. Um, the good news is that with the increased commodity prices, uh, you know, if we can continue to supply, that would be fantastic and really good news for the, for the mining sector. In fact, this positive has um, ironically, because of the uncertainty in the global market for certain commodities um, such as gold, et cetera, um, has actually been reasonable reasonably, you know, positive because um, it has meant that this commodity price upward cycle is continuing. But what I do understand from some players in the mining sector is that although the prices have been increasing, 
um, our production have not been increasing at the same rate. So the mines have been slower to increase production, probably because they also thought about whether or not this will continue. And then I also understand that there's been some, again, logistics issues, getting products out at the markets, um, at the ports, um, exporting, etc. So we are not fully benefiting uh, from this, this additional um, boom, if I could call it that, in commodity, commodity prices that seem to continue. Um, on the food and agricultural side, um, also, you know, the, it's, an, it's an industry that has done phenomenally well, specifically if you look at our food exports. I mean, agriculture has been the star um, in terms of, you know, the recovery of the economy and so on. However, what could put a damper on that is, um, is the fact that, as I said earlier, you know, in, increased input costs that might prevent uh, farmers to take full benefit and producers in the, in the food sector to pay, make, take full benefit of, of uh, this continued opportunity to, to export and maybe meet the needs in the market where other countries have not been able to and, you know, in areas where they not been able to. So if you look at the export side of um, the economy and the export products, in theory, they should still be doing well. Um, and if you look at the import side, in theory, that should be under pressure um, because we might see lower demand for fuel, we might see lower, lower demand for imported goods as people's um, you know, money that they have in their pockets are being eroded. So, so that uh, balance of trade surplus could, could, from that perspective, continue for a bit. But um, my, my question mark is more on the export side. Um, will we be able to continue to meet the, the, uh, the global demand? Because we have not seen production in the mining sector picking up. And then if you look at agricultural exports, what would the increased input costs mean uh, for the decisions that um, that South African producers make around that. It's no secret that for an economy like South Africa, the three biggest challenges uh, that face um, the economy as a whole, government and, pri and the private sector, is poverty, inequality, and uh, unemployment. And I'm just thinking about everything that you were, you were highlighting just now. At least it sounds uh, like uh, we can have that surplus continuing, at least for the foreseeable future. That's a little bit of good news. But when it comes to addressing, you know, these three uh, particular factors, it really does seem as if um, we talk about a worsening situation, not necessarily uh, something that is uh, getting better. And one wonders what type of room or wiggle room um, government or, you know, the fiscus has to keep taking on um, whatever assistance is to, because those are the three issues that are there and they need to be fixed. Uh, but one wonders what type of room they have, and especially um, given the type of support uh, that government did give um, to South Africans during the pandemic and now that continues and in certain instances is increasing even more. Um, you know, your thoughts on, you know, that particular dynamic? Yeah, so if we look at um, the World Economic Forum's global risk survey that they do every year, the erosion of social cohesion was the number two issue that was highlighted by 
business leaders globally as being a massive concern for them. And we do a survey at PwC as well, where we ask CEOs of companies, what do they think? What are some of the things that's keeping them away? And um, South African CEOs, about 75% of them said that they are concerned about social cohesion and social stability. And that speaks to the things that you've highlighted, poverty, inequality, and um, unemployment. And uh, we are sitting in, in quite a difficult situation as South Africa. The good news for government, as you rightfully mentioned, they got uh, some more cash in last year than they, than they hoped to or in the previous fiscal year. And um, they have been able to reduce debt at a faster rate than I initially anticipated, which is also good news. But now with the initial pressure um, or additional pressure in terms of um, uh, inflation, they are getting quite a bit of uh, resistance from unions in the, in the, in the um, public sector in terms of wages as well. Uh, so that could potentially erode that positive position that they are in. For me, the positive thing, though, to take from all of this is that where we used to be in a situation where a lot of us would have looked to government and say, well, government, this is your problem to solve. Um, there's a, there's a, a move with a lot of private sector players to say, well, we know and we understand that we don't operate in a vacuum and that we need to get involved in the communities where we operate. We need to understand how the decisions that we make um, are impacting on them. And we are also here to say, how can we get involved in creating jobs, et cetera? And again, that is a global thing, but I think South African firms in particular have realized uh, their responsibility around that. So for me, that is a good news and a bit of a change in the direction that we have seen. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one that the government, you know, does find themselves in, uh, you know, at least the, we've got that money that did come in. Uh, but like you said, we do find ourselves in a, in a really tough place. And some of the, some of the factors uh, that we keep talking about, we often hear about jobless growth. And I think, you know, a situation like this, yes, things are growing, but at the same time, people um, on the ground not necessarily um, feeling some of these uh, some of these effects. Now, as we are coming to the end of this discussion, Lulu, uh, just maybe your um, your take on some of the factors that uh, you think uh, we're likely going to have to um, what you call this keep an eye on um, over the over the rest of 2022. I think the first half of the year, unfortunately, um, started off you know with with really bad bouts of things like load shedding we already spoke about the fuel prices what are you looking at um you know for the rest of the year what's what's on your radar so load shedding unfortunately continues to be there um it is a factor that we think has a significant impact on the economy um again i know that there's lots of conversations taking place to place to improve it and again private sector is getting involved to say what can we do uh, in some instances I think the frustration is just that we feel that um, because there are so many parties that are involved some of the decision making is slower than it could be but yeah unfortunately load shedding um, with the continued um, conflict in in eastern Europe um, in particular between uh, Russia and Ukraine um, 
it, it will take some time for other markets to start to step into that void and to uh, reduce the impact of increased oil prices, etc. But eventually, I'm hoping that we would see, start to see some normalization of that. Um, you know, food production, there's a cycle that needs to happen. And until we're in the next cycle, uh, in terms of planting, etc., it would be difficult for other countries to step into, into that, that void. Um, so inflation and specifically second round effects of inflation. So um, increased fuel prices having an impact again on food prices and on other, other areas of the economy is another thing that we are watching very closely. All, all right. And then um, outside of uh, some of those things, such as uh, your, what do you call this, uh, some of those inflationary factors as well as um, uh, things like load shedding, um, do you... Do you see us in a situation where um, the things that are happening locally, um, the the reason I'm asking is because um, at the beginning of the discussion, we spoke about uh, the impact of things like the floods in KZN on, you know, uh, the flow of the economy, right? Do you see us being more impacted by um, local factors or more uh, the global macroeconomic issues simply because uh, for a long time, if someone even looks at something like the RAND, uh, for example, it always uh, tends to react more to exogenous factors. Does that change in any way, um, you know, through 2022, or do we continue being, you know, at the behest of the global economy? Yeah, unfortunately, as a small open economy, I think the situation that we are in at the moment is that what is happening globally is probably going to dictate a lot of uh, what we're seeing here. But having said that, those are short-term factors, okay? We're not sure how long some of them would, might continue, but those are short-term factors. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't make the decisions to actually transform the economy, to address issues such as load shedding, to address uh, skills issues, to make sure that our economy is actually geared um, for uh, the technological change and, this, and the required skills that we need, etc. So, we should definitely not push those, those things and those changes to the back. Uh, the challenge is, of course, just that there's less money to go around to do those things. But we really should not um, back away from that and feel that we are at the mercy of everything that is happening globally. And once this is over, then realize what, what we could have started on certain things and we waited for it. No, it uh, looks like it's going to be quite an interesting year for the rest of the year. And hopefully um, we can catch up with you again in a couple of months, Lulu, and uh, be talking, um, you know, in a different tone about the state of the economy. So that was us. We were talking to Lulu Kruger, who is uh, the chief economist over at PwC South Africa, giving us some insight um, into uh, the state of the South African economy against uh, the back drop of new numbers from Stats SA uh, showing that uh, the economy accelerated in the first quarter of 2022 at a faster than expected space um, pace sorry um, taking us uh, taking the SA economy to pre-pandemic levels uh, but uh, what we were talking about through today is uh, contextualizing 
um, you know, those numbers to say what does it actually mean, um, you know, on the ground. It sounds, it's a great headline, uh, but, you know, are ordinary people feeling it uh, because we still face uh, those three big issues, poverty, inequality, uh, and unemployment. And then also just highlighting some of the factors that will continue uh, to be a bit of a strain um, on the economy, on the on the domestic front. It's uh, issues such as load shedding. And then uh, on the global front, uh, because South Africa is a small open economy, uh, things like the Russia-Ukraine war, as well as supply chain uh, constraints uh, will continue to, you know, to be risk factors. And then just also highlighting the fact that um, government does find themselves um, yes, um, there's been some positives in terms of the money that's come in uh, through the commodity boom experienced over the last year, uh, but still trying to balance all of that um, with the struggles of ordinary South Africans that do need that support. So Lulu, as always, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. This is Mudiwa's Take. Yet another fascinating discussion just around the economy, but, uh, you know, fascinating, you know, in that we were able to distill um, what things actually mean, you know, on the ground. Um, and I think going forward, one of the key things uh, that people are going to have to decide on is, uh, I guess, the role of government when it comes to um, helping um, South Africans actually weather um, some of these storms. That is likely going to be a key thing that they're going to have to deal with uh, because there just seems to be all of this mounting pressure. Um, the way that Lulu actually put it um, is actually quite apt, you know, to say that it's unfair. Yeah, because you're coming out of uh, two years um, of a downturn caused by the pandemic. And uh, there's a lot of strain that uh, the country, the economy, the fiscus, uh, private sector organizations, uh, uh, public sector organizations took uh, during that time. But now um, when things are meant to be opening up and things are opening up, right, um, you see that inflation. So as much as there's growth, because there is growth, um, a lot more activity, a lot more production that is happening, um, that is that is being eroded in a big way by what's going on in terms of uh, the inflationary pressures. Um, so going forward, it will be um, it will be interesting to see how all of that is dealt with and the role of government, as I said. And um, part of the key factor is going to be how the central banks are able to deal now with what's going on. Um, the central banks try by all means to be as measured as they as they can be. Um, during the pandemic, I remember we used to speak quite a lot about how um, the U.S. was printing money as a way um, to help um, its people, you know, on that side. Would something like that um, help in the situation that we're in right now? Um, is, let's take in the States. And the reason why we look at what happens in the States is because a lot of other central bankers uh, tend to take their lead from what goes on with the Fed. Uh, so keen to see how that uh, particular discussion um, develops. And then on the issue of load shedding, this one definitely just needs um, to be fixed in some way uh, because the installed capacity is there um how much power south africa south africa uses on a daily basis is already known 
just you know fixes because most of the time we the reason why uh, we hear of load shedding always tends to be there was a breakdown or we've lost power generating capacity it just needs to run you know smoothly um this moment that we're in right now is likely going to push us uh push the country over the edge when it comes to uh, the adoption of some of the green technologies um, where we find ourselves out of necessity. I remember going to one of the big electronics shops recently and uh, it was very busy. I wasn't used to seeing it like that. And I remember asking one of the people there and they actually said uh, that um, the big, the reason why it was so busy was because uh, so many people were coming in to buy, you know, things like inverters and uh, backup power generation systems. And out of that necessity, what does it actually mean, um, you know, on balance? Um, if, uh, if a lot of people end up getting backup power, solar, all of this stuff, what does it mean for actual demand on the grid uh, what does it mean uh, when it comes to power generation what type of um, dynamics is it going to cause um, in the market we wait to see um, how all of that develops but for now um, great to see that uh, GDP growth is doing what it is uh, but we just wait for a situation where uh, the headlines match up with the reality on the ground And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.